Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, I'm excited because we are starting a brand new message series today. So if you're visiting with us, it's a great Sunday to visit. It's called In Our Midst. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be really walking towards the cross. Uh, But more intently, we're going to focus on the life of Jesus. If you're a skeptic, if maybe if you're in this room, you don't know much about the Bible and you've wanted to learn a little bit about Jesus, we're going to take the next three weeks and kind of go into his footsteps and begin to walk the journey toward the cross. Um, But along the way, Jesus said some pretty incredible things. I'm really excited about today because if you've ever had a beef with someone, if you've ever had a, uh, a disagreement, maybe someone has done something to you and has really ticked you off. And you thought, you know what? And you wonder, what can you do? Some of us, you know, we go talk about it. Some of us, we go right at it. Some of us, we choose a lot of different ways and a lot of myth, a lot of methods to confront. Confrontation is not a fun thing. If you think confrontation is a fun thing, then I can promise you people are probably thinking a lot about you and about the way that you confront. But we don't like confronting. We don't like telling other individuals that they're wrong or that we have a problem with it. And Jesus also knew that this was very prevalent in culture. If you thought in today's day and age, um, people talk about each other, whether it's social media, Facebook, you know, gossip in the hallways, different things. It was happening back during the time of Jesus. And Jesus chose just a little bit of time before he's going to walk to the cross. He chose to teach about confrontation. So if you're not a Christian in here, you picked a good Sunday. Because sometimes I hear from people who don't believe in Christ or anything else. Well, Terry, I tried to read the Bible, but I just didn't understand it. And it really didn't make sense to me. And I couldn't get a lot out of it. I can promise you today, it'll just kind of give you further proof and evidence that in the Bible, there are some incredible truths that will help whether you're a Christian in this room or not. It will improve your life if you just pay close attention to it. From time to time over my lifetime, I've I've had the pleasure of meeting some amazing individuals who've done incredible things. Um, Every Christmas in Fort Lauderdale, at the last church I was at, um, I had the privilege of meeting and spending time with a man by the name of Don Shula. Don Shula, the winningest NFL football coach in history. And anytime I had individuals like that around me, I, I would try to ask them questions and just try to learn from them. And I remember looking at Don Shula and saying, um, you know, coach, you know, I've heard a lot of stories because I was, I was in Miami for 30 years. I heard a lot about a coaches about, about how meticulous you were, that if someone didn't do something the slightest right way, that you would stop practice. You would go over to them and you, in front of everybody, you would correct them. I said, um, so tell me something. Why, why did you find it so important to be able to do that? Do you ever reflect back and say that you wish you hadn't done it? I'll never forget. He sat there. He said, nope, Terry. He said, um, no, he says, I believe in correcting mistakes. He said, I believe in correcting mistakes on the football field, but I also believe in correcting mistakes in relationships. He says, because I believe in one principle. And I, I want to share this quote the way that he said it. He said this, uncorrected errors in relationships, will multiply, just like football. He said, on my football team, if I allow one guard to pull the wrong way, he said, I got two other guards who are the backups looking at it, and they're thinking that's the right way to do it. I've got a whole line that's depending on him to do the right thing, and they will fall apart. We will lose a game if someone misses one assignment. He says, you have to correct it. Relationships in my life, I never want confrontation to be an excuse for not sharing with someone the truth. So I don't want them to multiply. 
Even taking a time, if you're a history buff and major, I love this quote by Douglas MacArthur. He said this. He once said, it's important to confront a dictator. In war, tragedy can be summarized in two words. Too late. Not true in the history of our world today. I would say this. Here's the truth, and we're going to hang everything on this, and Jesus is going to speak to this. I believe there are a lot of individuals, whether they live with you, whether they're family members, or whether they're friends or coworkers, that from time to time an action will happen that will some way in some turn be towards you. And Jesus in Matthew 18, which we're going to talk about, he is going to talk about those times. What happens when someone does something, says something, and you take an offense to it? And what Jesus is going to speak to is, is that moment between the action that occurs and between what happens at the end, how do we fit the gap? How do we speak to that middle part? And I would tell you this, if you're a note taker or everything else, we're going to answer the question that the action that happens to you, that what we choose in the gap will dictate whether you will have resolution or whether you will have rejection whether you'll have restoration or whether you'll have rejection. And so if you have a beef or a confrontation with someone today, by the way, husbands, don't look at your wife right now. That'd be really bad for you. But if you have that, then you need to pay really, really close attention. Again, action. There's the middle part. Will it come to resolution or rejection? If you have your Bibles or you're following along on your iPads or iPhones, um, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Um, you can also download the, the Version Bible app, and all the notes are provided for you as well, so you can just sit and listen. But here we go, Matthew chapter 18. Jesus said this, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. That's half of this verse, Matthew 18 Matthew 18, verse 15. That's just half of this verse. And what I want to do is I want to point out this word to you. It says, if another believer, the first thing Jesus speaks about is this. He says, okay, who's the person that's doing the offense? Who's the person that's talking about you? Who's the person who's done something? So before you respond, before you act, before you do anything, the first question that Jesus wants to ask you, number one, is this. Are you like-minded? If you're a Christian in this room, the question for you is, is the person doing the offense, do they believe in the same things that you believe? Do they follow the same playbook that you follow? Do they have the same understandings that you do? There have been times in my life when someone does something and I'm, I, right away I, my, my reaction is, ooh, I want to say something back. I want to do something. And then I pause and I go, wait a minute. He's only eight. Stuff like that happens, right? And we just, whoa, whoa, pause, pause, pause. He drew on the wall, but, you know, he's three. It's, you know, it's okay. If he's 21, then we got a problem. But three, are you like-minded? I think too often sometimes we go to react in the moment and we forget and we pause. And Jesus speaks to you and says, hey, before, when confrontation happens, the first thing you got to ask yourself is, who's the other person? What is, what's going on with them? I always love the illustration, because probably because I do it all the time, of, you know, of the husband and the wife. I'm in counseling appointments. I've probably heard this about five times in the many, many counseling appointments where all of a sudden you'll see two individuals sitting on the opposite end of the couches and they're mad and they're bitter at each other. And then we'll start talking about, well, what are examples of some of the things that he does that frustrate you? And five times I've heard this. He always leaves his stuff on the floor. I've asked him several times to pick up his stuff after himself. I feel like a maid in the household. And the guy is looking and he has shared. He's like, yeah, I mean, I was there and all of a sudden it was a great morning and I look up and she is fuming and she yells at me and she storms out. And I'm like, I don't know what I did. 
And then it comes to her looking and saying, well, for 17 straight days I told you to pick up your stuff. And you kept saying every single time, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. And finally the 17th time I've had it and I storm out. And the guy looks and goes, oh, I guess you would be mad. Are you like-minded? In other words, what is the other person thinking? What's their perspective? Jesus basically says, pause. It's not about you in the moment. Think about the other person. Is the other person thinking like you? We continue on in that same verse because Jesus has so much in this half verse. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. I want to point something out to you. I think part of the reason why we have so many arguments and disagreements is for a lot of us in this room, we have forgotten about what should be confronted and what shouldn't. There are a lot of individuals in this room, in your homes, and your families, where you're sitting there and you're taking offense to a preference and not to something that's sinful. There's a lot of people who have disagreements. And Jesus basically looks and says, hey, what really happened? Did the person really do something? Did the person really sin against you? He didn't say, if another person, if another believer thinks differently than you, then go at him. He didn't say that. And in our culture today, for some of us in this room, we think everybody has to think just like us. And if they don't think like us, then we can go after them. And Jesus didn't say that. He said, if another person sins, and by the way, if you're not a Christian, how do we know what is sinful and not? It's based on God's Bible. That's the truth. It's not our preference. It's not what I think is right. It's based on what God thinks is right. And there's a whole lot of arguments and a whole lot of people who are sitting in corners with their arms folded because they're mad about a preference and has nothing to do with a sinful action. So what really happened? I can tell you if you sit and say, all right, are they like-minded? How are they thinking? And then, you know what? Let me think about what they did. You know, they think differently than me. They like something different than me. It really is not a sinful action, so I should go and approach this in a different way. So are they like-minded, and what really happened. Continuing on, Jesus continues in the verse, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. This is where I think we struggle. If everyone was not worried about other people knowing everyone's business, if I were to ask a question, hey, in this whole process, when someone does something against you, what is the thing that you struggle with the most? I promise you, this one right here, where it says, go privately to the individual. I can promise you most hands in this room would raise and say, yeah, that, that's where I haven't done. You see, what is it about us? Because here's the truth. We don't go to the person privately. We don't go to, we go around. And Jesus says, don't go to and not around. Go to the person, not around the person. But here's what we do. Something happens at work. We get mad at the boss. What's the first thing that we do? We go to other like-minded people like us. We knock on their door and say, can you believe what he did to me? Well, tell me, sweetheart, what happened? Well, he did this and this and this and this and this and hurt my feelings. I'm so sorry. What a jerk he is. Yeah, he is a jerk, isn't he? Yes, he is. I feel better. Misery loves company, doesn't it? What do some of us do? Ladies, we pick the phone up. When he does something that we don't like, we pick the phone up. And who do we call? Not Ghostbusters. We call mom. Mom, and he did this, and he said this, and he said this, and he did this. I'm sorry, sweetheart. What a jerk you married. Sorry, that happened to me a lot. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. But here's the truth. Misery loves company. And Jesus knew that about us because why? Jesus became human. 
Jesus became more like us. Think about it. He was God and he became more like us so that we can look at him and learn from him and say, well, he went through everything we go through, so he must know best. And Jesus said, I know human hearts. You're going to look to be comforted. You're going to look that as soon as it happens, you're going to not want to confront and you're going to go around and you're going to tell every one of your friends so that you can feel better. Now, here's the truth. In that gap, if all of a sudden we begin to not go to the person, then Jesus looks and says, action, go to it. In other words, Terry, it's your choice. It's your choice now. The ball's in your court. He's done something or she's done something to you. Now you have the choice to fill the gap. What are you going to fill it with, Terry? I'm telling you that you don't talk to anybody. You don't commiserate. You don't ask for help. You don't, call, you don't call someone to tell them all about the dirty news. You stop and pause for a second. And the first thing you do, Terry, is you go to that person. And I think I know why Jesus said that. Because isn't it true in our minds when we don't go to the person, we fill that gap with other things, don't we? And here are some of the things that we begin to fill this gap with. We fill this gap with things like hatred. Because we think about it all the time. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he did that. Here's what's even worse. When we see someone else respond the opposite way, we, it reminds us of what the other person did. And we go, see, he doesn't do that. He doesn't treat the people like that. And that just makes me even that much more because he must really think I'm a louse and he must do this and he must do this. And we fill that gap and hatred begins to come in. And then guess what happens? When hatred begins to come in, we all of a sudden forget about what this is about and we think it's all about us because then pride, how dare he say that to me? How dare he do that to me? I don't deserve that. And it becomes more about us and more about us and more about us. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 go to that person. And you're talking and you're focusing and you're fixating about yourself. And here's something else that happens all the time. Lies begin to form. How many of you have ever had a bad situation happen between you and one other person and you run to all your friends and you tell them about it and you tell them about it and then all of a sudden, about two weeks later, you're standing in a group of people and someone who you don't know, who you didn't tell, comes up to you and says, I'm so sorry, I heard about what happened and I can't believe he did this and this and this and this and this. He's a horrible human being. And you stand there listening and you go, wait a minute, half of that didn't even happen. And you're like, well, wait. Because all of a sudden, because you've involved other people and you've started sharing, then all of a sudden the telephone game happens and all of a sudden different narratives start writing. Or even worse, you begin to think back on what happened and because hatred and pride has filled your heart, you start thinking of the situation worse than what it really was. And then he did this and then his head spun around. And then he went ahead and he called me this and this and this. And it never really happened. But in your heart and in your mind it does Or even worse, you start thinking that the other person, you start filling in their blanks. Well, he must have thought this, or he must have done this, and he probably has done this, and lies happen. Here's the worst part about it. If you allow hatred, pride, and lies to fill that gap, here's the worst thing that can happen. You become bitter. And bitterness sets in. And all of a sudden, you walk around, and Jesus is saying, Do you realize someone else did something to you and now you're walking in a state to where you've changed? You've got to wake up and fill the gap with what's right. A friend of mine, Rhett Graham, he's the chairman of our deacons here at our church. I'll never forget what he said to me one time. His dad, who's got a lot of wisdom, he said, my dad always said this, Terry, 
Don't allow someone to live rent-free in your head. How many of you have woken up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you've seethed and you've thought about things and you get a restless night and it's because you're not following what Jesus would want you to do? Let's continue on. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the person. Jesus didn't say that. He said, point out the offense. This is number four. I want you to write it down. Speak to the principal, not to the person. If you use the word you when you go to confront, Jesus said, now, all right, if you follow, if he sinned, you need to go to the person, and when you address him, don't address him. Address what happened. How many of you have ever gone to a confrontation and you look and say, you did this to me? If you're on the other end of that, guess what you're doing? I'm ready to fight. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Speak to the offense. When you threw that bat into the TV, it caused me not to watch Cubs on opening night. This is not okay. You speak, and by the way, I'm a Cub fan for in case you're new here today, just to lay it all out there. But I've said this multiple times here at our church, that when you're in this mode, if you want to communicate through confrontation, here's a phrase you need to write down and memorize. When, you, when this happened, it made me feel like this. When this happened, when this happened, it made me feel like this. That way you don't go judging another individual or judging their heart, but you speak to the action. Isn't it amazing in a half, by the way, guys, that was half a verse how much Jesus speaks into us about confrontation. Let's finish that verse out. If another believer sins against you, go privately, point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've, and now focus on this. If you have your Bibles, circle it. If your iPad, circle it. You have won that person back. If you've got that and you're taking notes, I want you to write, read all of Matthew 18. Write that down. Because what Jesus is referring to, by the way, you can't just go to one scripture and just get everything out unless you read what's before and read what's after. Because if you really understood what Jesus is saying there, is he's saying, look, the most important part of this confrontation is that you win this person back. Terry, this is not about you. This is about the other person. Confrontation isn't about you. It's about the other person because your job is to win that person back. Let me tell you why. It's because in the beginning of Matthew 18, Jesus is walking with his disciples and the disciples who should get everything are there. And all of a sudden, some children want to come up and say hello to Jesus. And the disciples say, hey, he's busy, kids. Get out of the way. We don't have time for this. You're lower level. Because kids at that time had no right. Kids were not looked at at all. And they were pushed aside. And the disciples were just doing what culture said. Hey, they don't matter. Push him aside. And Jesus stopped. Jesus, God, stopped. And he said, excuse me. You see these children? that you as culture think don't have any rights and are second class and are not worthy, you see these kids, when you welcome them, you welcome me. In other words, when you look at them, you should see my face. They're that important. Later on, he goes and he talks about how if someone loses one coin instead of 99, they go after the one coin. They're always going after the one that is lost. Jesus was trying to tell all of us in this room that every person in this room is a child of God and matters to God. And the person that has done the action to you matters to God. 
And you should work hard like he does to do everything you can to help win that person and restore that person back. Do you want to know why? Because that's what Jesus was doing in that moment. Jesus was about to walk to the cross, to die on a cross and say, I'm dying for the people who are spitting in my face. You think you've got someone bad who you want to confront? You think someone that is, is just so such a jerk, I don't even want to go near him? Imagine the people who are spitting in Jesus' face when he's on the cross and Jesus said, I'm dying for you. Because it's all about winning them back. Now, if you're a skeptic in this room, you tuned me out 15, 20 minutes ago because you're thinking of the one person that you despise. And there ain't no way, Terry, that I'm ever going to do this because that guy's a jerk and even God doesn't even know about him because all that he does. And so I've just tuned you out. When here's the truth. If that's you, Jesus knows your heart. And Jesus has something to tell you about when you do go and they do reject you and they do say, get out of my face. Here's what Jesus says that you should do. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. In other words, if you get rejected, then you go to a brother or sister who's like-minded, who can confirm sinful actions, not preference, and can sit there and say, yes, God's word says this. This person has done this. You are right. I will go with you, brother. And by the way, Jesus says, go to them. And then when you go to them, it's to confirm that his actions or her actions are sinful. Again, all to the hope that they're restored. Again, I always say, it's me. I go, why go back? Why is it important? Why should I go back? I mean, I did it once. Why should I go back again? Here's number five. It's not about you. The more you can remember, it's not about you. And so Jesus says, take someone else and go to that person. Give him a second chance. Why, Jesus? He was so mean and so rotten to me. Because let me tell you something. Because he's a child of God, and I have purposely allowed you to be a part of his story so that you can help win them back. All right, now pause. We all love this, because so far all of you are like, that's right. Because I've been speaking to you as if you've been the one who's been wronged. Here's the truth. Half of you are probably in that spectrum and half of you are the ones that probably did the wrong action. Let's just be honest. Wives, don't look at your husbands right now. It'd be bad. So here's the question. What if you are the one who is confronted? What if someone comes to you? What if someone walks up to you and says, you've done this to me? What about them? Watch what happens. This is what will happen to you. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Pause. Jesus said, was speaking to believers. And believers, the church is not a building, the church are the people. And so he's basically looking at a group of people and saying, if someone is wrong, you take them to the group of people who are like-minded. In other words, we all agree on the truth. That's the church. So if he refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt person tax collector. Ha! I knew it. All of you skeptics in the room, I knew that Jesus was mean. I knew that God was mean. He doesn't care about me. Some of you are in here looking. That's the kind of Jesus I've heard. That's the kind of Jesus that I grew up with is I was always condemnation and see, they're going to treat me like a pagan or a tax collector just because I do it one time wrong. No, you got to understand something. 
Jesus understands the principle that Don Shula talked to me about. That in a group of believers that are together, it is so important for sin to be confronted. Because if sinful behavior is allowed to be unchecked, then other young believers, people who don't know much about Christ, are going to look at their behavior and say, oh, I can do that too. And before you know it, in a church or in a group of like-minded believers, sin is allowed to spread. Jesus spoke to this and he said, treat him like a pagan or a tax collector. By the way, a tax collector was despised even worse than Pharisees because even a tax collector would cheat. Didn't matter whether you believed in God or didn't, they would cheat you. And so watch what Jesus has to say about sin. He cared so much. Take a look. He said this in Matthew 5. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. In other words, if there's one thing that's causing you to do the wrong things, it's better to cut it off. I'd rather you cut it off than have it spread. So in the church, it's so important to confront because if you don't, it will spread. What are you doing with the gap? What are you filling the gap with? Because I can promise you that the end is about restoration. Jesus, if you get done with confrontation and say, ha, good, serves him right, he left, ha, you shouldn't celebrate in that. You should pray for that person. Because Jesus is all about restoring truth and restoring that person. I close with this last story. Robert E. Lee was the commander of the Confederate Army. They had just lost the war. And with his pride tucked, Robert E. Lee walked down to a community. And a little old lady who had a plantation in the south walked up and grabbed Robert E. Lee. And she walked him over to a big tree stump and a tree that had been collapsed over by northern artillery fire. And she looked and said this to Robert E. Lee, look what those northerners did. Look what they did to this hundreds and hundreds of year old tree. Don't you despise them, Robert E. Lee. And she was expecting him to come alongside her and to commiserate and to say, yes, they did an action and I'm going to fill it with hatred and I'm going to fill it with bitterness because I want to reject them. And Robert E. Lee is quoted as saying this, Cut it down, my dear madam, and forget it. It's better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain. Let bitterness to take root and poison the rest of our lives. What are you putting in the gap? Because if you're not following what Jesus said, bitterness, hatred, lies can seep in. Today you have an opportunity to make a choice. I pray that you choose restoration. Let's pray. Father, right now there are so many excuses running through everyone's head of why they can't follow what you say. There's so many excuses about what that person has done or what that person um, has just talked about. And God, I pray that each person would remember that it's not about them. It's not about me. It's about 
the fact that every child is a child of God and you're after every single heart and soul on this earth because you died for us all, not for some. So today, as Pastor Stephen leads us, I pray, God, that we would sit, that we would listen, and that we would talk to you and we would give up our bitterness and hatred and lies to you and instead we would embrace your truth and look for a way to fill the gap so that restoration can happen. Church, I pray that you'd sit and listen and pray and make a different choice for the gap. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.